0: Would you remain standing and pray with me, please? Father, as we come, Lord, this morning before your word, Lord, we ask that, God, you would take these passages, which espouse a high Christology, Lord. Would you now accommodate us? Would you open our ears and hearts and spirits to receive your word? God, may you plant it deep within us. Lord, may I, as the preacher, Lord, proclaim and say only that which you would have me to say. Lord, may you protect these folks from any error, Lord, that may, or utterance that may come from my lips, Lord, that is not uh, what you would have me to say today. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's here. Yeah, what's here, right? Christmas, right? Okay, yeah. Oh, you're the preacher, so you must be Christmas and Jesus, right? Nope. I'm talking about Star Wars episode 7, <laughs> The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. Listen. Um yeah, I was kind of amazed actually the past couple of weeks leading up into Christmas, all the hype that came out about Star Wars Episode 7. They tell us it took in like $238 million the first weekend here in the United States. And that globally around the world it took in over $500 million, smashing every single world record any movie has ever set or set on opening weekend. And folks, i got to be honest with you. I mean, it's kind of amazing, actually. I mean, I saw all these different things, kind of on the news. And even some of you, our own Chris Brown over here, he even had something over his clericals. I don't know, with Darth Vader on it or something right before he went to the movie good so sir i 'm going to pick on you for that, and I should, but because listen, people were dressing up in these full costumes and clothing like the characters in the movie, um, they were buying lightsabers and walking around the theaters with them you know and the, and then even and i couldn 't believe this on a local newscast. I saw where there was some workout place. I believe this is in New York city. It had to be in New York city. It's the only place that would do something like this. They offered lightsaber fencing classes as a form of exercise and role play. And so you could dress up like a star Wars character and come in and they're going to teach you how to fence. And I just got to be honest with you guys. You know, it just, you know, adults doing that, it just looks weird. It's just something strange. I mean, Maybe they're a little, they're kinda of like those civil war reenactment people, you know, they're just a little too caught up in it, if you know what I mean. So I don't know. I mean I had to ask myself, this is a fiction movie, right? Well now. <laughs> yeah. Here's where it gets even better. Now I have to confess I've only seen one Star War movie in my life. And I yeah, and I fell asleep during that. So I really couldn't tell you what it was about. Um I've never read any of the Lord of the Rings books. I've not seen the movies either. Um, yeah, I know people said one guy this morning, I think it was Garrett was frowning at me about to throw something at me and I've never read or I've never read and I've never seen the first thing, Harry Potter. Um, so I'm just horribly uncultured in these fictional matters. Okay. But I, I'm, but I'm kind of okay with that. Um, in a, in a way because, cause here's why I mean, and, and I'm not, I'm not going to bash on this too hard, but you know, all this hype about Star Wars really left me thinking about this. Listen, if people in the United States can get so excited about a fictional movie like Star Wars, imagine what could happen if people really cared and got excited about things that actually matter. Like, I don't know, the incarnation of God, maybe? Yeah, picky, picky. So, so I, I, Listen, I don't want to beat up Star Wars, but seriously, the fiction of The Force Awakens really does pale, though, in comparison to the reality of the word became flesh that Father Ben read. That the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. God's greatest gift given to us. His son, given to the world, to you and to me. And so in light of all that, my question for us this first Sunday in Christmas. And by the way, you guys are a lot more alive than the first group we had there this morning. My question for us this first Sunday of Christmas really is this How are you you receiving the reality of God's gifts this Christmas in Jesus? Or, Or better yet, are you willing to receive the reality of God's gifts to you this Christmas in Jesus? Well, what are those gifts? Well, there's essentially three we're going to talk about this morning there's three gifts the gift of a new status. God gives us the gift of a new status. God gives us the gift of a new name. And God also gives us the gift of relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so first, the gift of a new status. How does God give his people a new status? Well, let me ask you this. How many of you guys received clothes for Christmas? You can raise your hands. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, it's kind of like that because listen, listen to this passage. And by the way, it is Isaiah sixty-one. By the way, but uh, just to pick at you just for a moment, it was it is Isaiah sixty-one ten. And I just want to read this for, or read these few verses here. Isaiah sixty-one ten. Isaiah writes, "I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for He has clothed me with the garments of salvation." And he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels. You catch those references to clothing. See Isaiah writing 700 years prior to Christ's first coming. Talks about a coming day when one would be clothed in a garment of salvation. And that people would be covered with a robe of righteousness. Say, well, what's the point of that? Well, see, in the Bible, to be clothed with something or to be given something new or a new article of clothing or a new garment, more often than not, is a common figure of speech in the Bible referring to a change in status or a change in one's condition in the world. So when Isaiah talks about being clothed with salvation and being covered with a robe of righteousness, he's talking about a change in the status or condition of the person who's receiving those garments. Well, what's the change in the status? Well, as one commentator summarized this portion of Isaiah, he put it pretty well. He said here in Isaiah 61 and going on into 62 is an Old Testament picture of how the righteousness of Christ covers the believer. When a penitent sinner recognizes that he cannot achieve his own righteousness by works and therefore repents and calls on the mercy of God, the Lord Jesus Christ comes and covers him with his own righteousness by grace through faith and thereby also declares that person to have a status of righteousness before God. Now, beloved, I really am amazed to see how excited people can get about dressing up like stormtroopers and the things like that from Star Wars, but oftentimes troubled, including myself, by how not so much excited God's people can be at times about God's gift of being able to put on the righteousness of Christ and receive Christ's garments of salvation. Listen, through the precious gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ, if you've come to the place in your life where you've acknowledged him as your Lord and Savior, that you've acknowledged your sin, that you've repented and placed your faith and trust in Jesus, that is God's gift to you, listen, God no longer sees your sin. He does not condemn you. He does not see your failures. He does not hold our measure, our not measuring up those things we can't seem to get right in life against us. No, see, God only sees the righteousness of Christ covering you. And because we are covered in Christ's gift robe of righteousness and have on his garment of salvation, God also gives to you a new status. You're not condemned, you're not guilty, but you have the status of being counted righteous and redeemed before God. It's kind of a little bit like this white robe and chasuble I have on this morning. We sometimes call this the holy poncho because we say that, people kind of know what that is. And it's like the one I'm wearing here now. You know, I mean, you really can't see what I'm wearing underneath this, except for my shoes. That's the only thing that's really sticking out. You really have no idea if I had on a pair of blue jeans under here or shorts on, it's warm enough for that. Um, You know, and and a pair of flip-flops. Well, yeah, you'd see flip-flops. But you really can't see what I'm wearing underneath. You can only see the white of all of this. And friend, that's, but friend, listen, that's exactly how Christ, though, sees you this morning. That's exactly how God sees you that you're dressed and that you're covered in the pure whiteness of Christ's righteousness because of Jesus and his life garment of righteousness. He's given that to you. You have a new status. But now let me ask you this by just kind of a way of application. Now, you know, I've got all these, these, these adornment or these robes that the church has given me. Um, what would your reaction be if you were coming up to Christ church this morning and you saw me wearing this stuff? And uh, I was underneath my truck changing the oil out here in the, on the curb. Or better yet, what would your reaction be? And uh, I mean, it's so muddy outside. I mean, it'd be actually pretty easy to do it. What if you came walking up and you saw me in all this uh, uh, apparel digging a ditch in good red North Carolina clay, red clay that will stain anything? You'd probably look at me and you'd be like, Father Keith, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You can't do that. And regardless of why I explained to you I was doing that, you would probably, you know, it would just have, it would scandalize the church. You would talk about me for years, and not in a good way if you caught me doing that. And you know, but, but you know, it's pretty funny how we can easily look at something that's white as these robes and, 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 and think about something like that and see the insanity of such. But it's amazing how easy we overlook the fact that that's exactly, though, what many of us are doing say, what do you mean? We're wearing the white robes of Christ's righteousness, but for a myriad of reasons. So many of us insanely and willingly and sinfully chase after things, do things, and sinfully participate in things that we know will stain the precious garments of salvation that Christ has given us. Things that will tarnish the robe of righteousness that Christ has given to us. Much like an unthankful or ungrateful kid who gets new clothes for Christmas yesterday and then goes jumps in a mud puddle. See what I'm getting at? Beloved God has given us a precious gift of being righteous this Christmas because of Jesus. How have you received that? Maybe you're here today and you're just real honest about it. You've been squandering it. Maybe some of you are struggling to accept it, somehow thinking you're unworthy to come before him. That's right, you are. But if you come before him in faith, he will cleanse you and he will clothe you in his righteousness. Beloved, the gift of being declared and counted righteous before God in spite of our sin and sinfulness should cause us to have an attitude of gratitude. It should cause us to have hearts filled with joy and it should also bring us to the point of thanksgiving and rejoicing in our total being. God's given you a gift this morning to be righteous in God's sight in Jesus. There's also the gift of a new name. So what do you mean? Well, if you read on it, listen to what Isaiah 62 two says. He mentions a new name being given to God's people. Isaiah writes, he says, The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. See, friends, just like new clothing in the Old Testament or in the New Testament signifies a change in status in the Bible, whenever God, you see God renaming something in the Bible, pay attention because it indicates that God is up to something. God is changing something. God is doing something new. For example, in the Old Testament, when it came to Abram, he changed Abram's name to Abraham, father of a multitude. He took Abraham's wife, Sarai, changed her name to Sarah, meaning princess. When Jesus first encountered the apostle Peter, he was first named Simon. Then God, Jesus changed his name to Cephas, which actually means Peter. And then if you go to Revelation 2, or 2, 17, when God comes back to restore the world and put the world to rights, you find God renaming his people once again. And then if you read the full context of Isaiah 61 and 62, listen to these names that are given for God's people. The first one, he says that my people go from being called forsaken over to my delight. In fact, we read these if you are here Christmas day, that was the Isaiah passage, from forsaken to my delight. The land goes from being called desolate over to being married and pledged to God. In 61 and 62, he continues on. He refers to God's people calling them the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, the sought out, a city of righteousness, a faithful city. He goes on to say, he says, I'm going to give you a name that's better than sons and daughters. And I'm going to give you an everlasting name that can never be cut off. What name does God have for you today? Dear people of God, if you are in Christ today, you are God's delight. You are God's sought out and I would just encourage you to sit with that a moment this Christmas season. I mean, in Anglican Church, I love Christmas because we get 12 days of it. It's not just one day, kind of like a 4th of July thing, Up, oh, boom, and it's over with. You get, so right now, you got 10 days to think about the gift of your name, your new name, of being God's delight. When God sees you, he's not Scrooge-like. He's not irritable. He's not overly sensitive type. He's not one of those people who's easy to bother, who's mean-spirited and crotchety and always poking around and inspecting your life like some grand inquisitor or prosecutor to see what you've done wrong. God's not like that. No, when God sees you, he calls you or says, you are my delight, God's delight. And that you are now God's sought out. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And beloved, this should not, I mean, in kind of our culture, we've got this thing like, well, that'll give us the big head. That'll feed the narcissism that's out there. Absolutely not. If you understand fully what's taking place there, it will make us humbly thankful to think that the God, the creator and sustainer of all there is of the cosmos, that he delights in us when he probably shouldn't. It should give us a cause to rejoice Friends, somebody here just needs to hear this today. Listen, you are God's delight. When God sees you, he delights in you. He takes joy in who you are. Well, in Jesus, there is a gift. In Jesus, there is the gift of a change of status. And then in Jesus, he gives us a new name. But also in Jesus, beloved, we have the gift of a new relationship with God. Listen to our Galatians passage that Stephanie read. Paul writing, he says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Then listen again to the portion of God's, or John's gospel that Father Ben read. John one twelve says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were not born, not who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Beloved, listen. Because of God's gift of Jesus to us, we are no longer slaves of sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves under the law. We are sons and daughters of God. And I cannot believe this. And we are heirs of all that is his. I don't know what all that means. But it sounds really awesome. And beloved, because of being adopted by God, we can now call God Abba Father, meaning Daddy. Daddy indicating perhaps one of the most intimate relationships one can have particularly between God and his children I mean friends I thought about this you know nobody calls me daddy but my two children Kira and Luke Samuel why cuz it's a it's a close relationship it's an intimate relationship you may call me father Keith I prefer you not call me daddy Keith <laughs> be weird <laughs> or worse yet huff daddy I've had that one before my last name being Huffman, but you know, (laughs) I can't believe I say some of these things myself sometimes. But seriously, people of God, for Christmas, God gives you a new status this morning. You are righteous. God has given you a new name. You are his delight. And God has given you a new relationship with himself through and in Jesus. The most close Privileged relationship, imaginable. God this morning is your daddy. So again, how are you receiving God's gifts? How are you receiving those gifts this morning? I can tell you how it came to me this year. As many of you know, this little big old dog showed up at our place back around the first, on a cold, rainy Monday, the 1st of November. We thought that she was lost And that perhaps her owner would return. So after a week or so of hearing nothing, we decided we would just take the dog in. That we would foster the dog. That we would feed her. That we would take care of her. That we would give her several baths. In fact, it took three washings and Dawn dishwashing detergent to get all the dirt, all the oil and grease and stink off of that dog. The dog stunk so bad. And we decided we would continue to try to find her rightful owner. Well, after three weeks, her owner never came back. No one ever called any of the vets in the area where we live to locate the dog. The dog doesn't have a chip in her, and no one ever posted anything on the online sites that help uh, find and, and, and reunite lost pets with their owners. So we assumed she was just a beagle dog, unwanted, and just dumped out at our place, out in the country. And to be honest, she's smaller than she should be, for that breed... She's nothing really exceptional in terms of beagle breed line. She's not a champion AKC dog, I would doubt. And she stunk so bad, again, we could hardly bear the smell. But we decided to adopt her anyway, to take her in as our own. Dana bought a a collar that has her new name, Lucy, stamped on it, and our name on her collar in case she got lost, that we would just sacrifice and do what we had to do to pay for her care (laughs) and bring her into our family. Here's the surprise. though. We didn't know this beagle was pregnant. <laughs> and then a couple weeks ago, after a lot of psychotic and what I would call ungrateful behavior <laughs> and disdain for our radical generosity, a trip to the vet revealed our beagle we named Lucy by this time had one big puppy in gestation. And so this past Wednesday, the 23rd, Lucy had her puppy via cesarean section, (laughs) cha-ching, Merry Christmas. It's like, sorry, baby, I don't know what you wanted after Christmas. (laughs) There's a puppy. We brought both Lucy and puppy home that And then after making preparations needed to whelp a puppy, because I don't know anything, Josh, you've lost me, buddy. Uh, After making preparations needed to whelp a puppy, Following the vet's orders, he told me I had to do this um, just because of the nature of the dog's surgery. I had to sit vigilant. One of us did. Of course, we've got a seven-month-old at home, so I was the one to pick to go sit in the basement. I sat vigilant a great part of the evening and up until the night, watching Lucy and her puppy to make sure nothing wrong happened. <laughs> That's when I saw it. <clears throat> As I stared delightfully into this cardboard box, watching this mother dog giving care to her puppy, I reached in to pet them both and with humble and very tired eyes, this dog, Lucy, looked up at me and began licking my hand as if to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for taking me in. Thank you for letting me be part of your family. I gotta be honest with you, I was pretty overwhelmed in that moment. Why? You know, I too came to God stinking to high heavens from sin desperately needing a bath of his cleansing blood and needing safe refuge in his home and in his kingdom and by God's sheer grace nothing on my own merit or anything about me he took me in I too have acted ungrateful in his kingdom I've taken advantage of his generosity and grace many times many times over I've done things much worse than probably peeing on his couch And he forgave me anyway. And he took me into his kingdom anyway. Beloved, God gave me a new status, meaning that I would be counted righteous before God despite my not deserving it or earning it. He took me in anyway. And like we gave this dog a new name, God gives us a new name, his delight. I don't know why. He just does it because he's God. God. And God has also given me himself, as well as you, himself, and a new family. God has given you himself and has also given you a new family this Christmas. Beloved, the only thing I could say was my response should be more like that, dogs. To thank God and praise him the best way I know how, rejoicing in the things that really matter in life, the gift of Jesus the gift of having a new status, the gift of being God's delight, and just really be just what I'd call dog, hand, licking, happy to be part of his family. One of God's children. And all and all, and only, and all of that is only possible because of the gift of Jesus that we celebrate is Christmas season. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.